Good morning, everyone. Um, welcome to the focus class. Um, I'm very honored to uh, bring forth a lesson for you guys today. Uh, when Pastor had mentioned that we were going to do things a little bit different until the end of uh, 2018, um, and he said he was going to have different people share um, on Wednesdays and uh, Sunday mornings, even before Fast Week, um, you know, and he didn't ask me to speak. So I was like, well, cool, I'm good, you know. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I assumed that, uh, you know, he wouldn't uh, necessarily need me, but, you know, the Bible says for us to always stay ready, you know, and, uh, you know, always praying and watching. Um, so when he called me Monday and asked me to speak, I wasn't surprised, um, you know, a part of me, um, wanted to say, no, 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 that's not enough time, um, you know, uh, but, you know, I, I had to say yes. Uh, and one of the things that is very important is that, you know, we step out on faith. It's not always going to be comfortable. It's not always going to be um, in your time frame or something that you could control. Um, and so when I started asking God, okay, um, what do you want me to speak on? Um, you know, Pastor had, had uh, told me he kind of needed to know what my topic would be as soon as possible. Um, and so one of the things that God had been just kind of laying on my heart was that um, just about me being a, a people person. Um, and so the topic today is you are a people person. Now, when he first gave it to me, uh, one of the first things I thought was, when I think of a people person, I think of somebody who is outgoing, charismatic, um, you know, can talk to anybody um, in any situation. They can, you know, flow to their life at a party, things of that nature. Um, but from what God was showing me, that's not necessarily what he meant. Um, so a lot of times when we come into the body of Christ, um, you know, we get saved and, you know, the focus is, is on us, you know, because now we're seeing things differently. You know, we, um, we've acknowledged our sin. We've acknowledged that we were separated from Christ that we did not have a relationship with Christ and we now needed a relationship with Christ. And so, you know, we get saved and things change, our vision changes. Um, you know, but one of the things that uh, pastor talks about is that we can't just stay at salvation. You know, a lot of times, you know, that's where people get stuck. They get stuck at the altar, pastor, pastor says. Um, they get, you know, caught up in um, their shortcomings or their fears or, um, you know, their uh, sin. And, you know, for years, that's what they focus on. They focus on getting better, focus on, okay, you know, God's not through with me yet. Um, and, you know, it sometimes it takes that. It takes that focus on yourself, realizing that 
you know, um, I need to change. I can be better. God is uh, planning some things for my life. And, you know, that focus is good. But one of the things that I've learned and um, what I realize is that we have to move forward from that. You know, the Bible talks about that being, you know, the milk, the milk of the word. We need to move from the milk of the word to the meat of the word. Well, what does that mean? Well, you know, when we are um, partaking in milk, you know, it's when we are, you know, young and we're trying to get our bearings and we're trying to get stronger and we're trying to 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 figure it out, you know. Um, but milk is usually for, for babes, for kids, you know. Um, when a, but the Bible also says that, uh, you know, when we became a man, when we grow up, we put away childish things. And so... One of the things that I've noticed, you know, I have uh, two children, um, and um, they can't necessarily help it, that their focus, their world revolves around them. You know, a lot of what they do, a lot of decisions that they make, a lot of things that they say is about them, um, because that's all they really can see. And so when we talk about moving from the milk of the word to the meat of the word, um, it, it's the focus shifts. You know, the, the focus shifts from us to other people um, and what it's really about. Um, you know, uh, uh, okay, so let's just hold that thought. So we will, let's turn to Matthew 28. Uh, start with verse 18 and I'm going to read for the new King James version and Jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age so some of us may know this uh, scripture is a very familiar scripture um, as the the great commission um, all four gospels have a, a version of this uh, uh, scripture in it and in it, uh, Jesus is very specific on what he wants us to do. Um, and that's to go out and, you know, and to disciple to all nations, um, to all people. And one of the things that God has shown me is that a lot of times, especially, you know, in the society that we live in, um, we want to stay in our comfort zone. Um, you know, we want to stay in our comfort zone. We will talk to the people that we're comfortable talking to. Um, you know, we will minister to the people that only seem to be, you know, easy, nice, or, you know, friendly, or at least know something about the word. Um, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to all nations. Um, you know, and uh, I didn't get a chance to listen to God talk yesterday, um, but 
I did see the topic, and the topic was, um, if not you, then whom? You know, um, and that's basically what God has been showing me is, is you know, one of the things that Pastor had been talking about this year um, was that uh, a lot of times we we treat it as you got that right, you know, that oh somebody else will do it, you know. Um, again, I'm not charismatic, you know. I I, I you know I can't um, just speak to anybody, you know. God knows my heart, you know. He knows you know what I can do and what I can't do, um, but. It has to be more than that. It has to be more than that. Um, you know, we all are called to do our part. Amen. You know, all called to do our part. And um, we we have to, to, to stretch out. You know, we have to stretch out. Um, one of the things with me, um, I work for DirecTV. And so I, uh, you know, I go to see a lot of different people, a lot of different um you know, economic statuses and, you know, all kinds of people. And one of the things that I've noticed is that I'll get a work order. And if I see the name and it's a Hispanic name, I look in the notes. And one of the first things they say is, please send a Spanish speaking technician. Now, um, we have about 60 technicians that work in our office, but only five of them are Hispanic. So, Nine times out of ten, they're not going to get a Hispanic technician. And so it's almost immediately when they open the door, they ask me, do I speak Spanish? But it's a, it's a barrier there. And so I have to try to overcome that barrier because I don't, I mean, I could, I understand it a little bit, but I can't speak it. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, God showed me is that, you know, are you supposed to be the one to cross that barrier? I've, I've seen, um, I've been with a technician that they didn't think spoke Spanish. But when he started to speak to them, you could see their eyes light up. You could see that they felt more comfortable, you know. Um, and it, uh, it was interesting to me because people want to know that you will engage them. Will you go that extra mile, you know. When you are, um, you know, so if you're going to go to college or you're going to get some education, why not learn you know, Russian, why not learn Spanish or French or something like that? You're giving God something else to use. It's not just about, you know, the United States. It's not about just our neighborhood. It's not just about Charlotte. It's not just about, you know, it's about all nations. And if not you, then who? Um, and so one of the things that God wanted to, me to just point out was... Um, I'm going to, we're going to walk through uh, a few different uh, people in the Bible. Uh, one of them is going to be Job. Um, and I, I think this, uh, the story of Job is very important. Um, it's funny how you can hear a lesson or something taught on a person or a book in the Bible but depending on who teaches it, it could be totally different. Um, I've heard so many people say that, you know, uh, God punished Job, but in Job did nothing wrong. He was blameless. But we're uh, going to dive into it and, 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 and see what we, we can find. Uh, so if you turn with me to Job. Job 1. 
Okay, and I'm going to start with the first verse. Um, and again, it's from the New King uh, James Version. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven, son and seven sons and seven daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned. It may be that my sons have sinned. It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts Thus Job did regularly. When I was reading this, uh, this book, um, that first part stuck out to me um, because it described Job. It described that he, you know, was, was an upright man and he feared God. But if you know the story of Job, you know what happens next. Satan and, and God is talking, and then um, God allows him to, you know, basically attack Job. But this first part, if you know anything about the Old Testament or anything about how burnt offerings or any offering was given, um, burnt offerings were offered up for as a as a for sin for repentance, um, but it was something had to die. Um, something had to die, a lamb or uh, something like that, but the blood was to cover the sins. But if you see here, he says that they may have sinned and cursed God. He didn't know this to be true. He didn't know that this was it or not. Um, so that that's fear. You know, false uh, evidence appearing real. You know, it was, it was fear. He, he was afraid that his kids had, you know, turned away from what he had taught them. You know, he, he feared that they were doing things they were not supposed to do. And so he was taking action based out of fear. You know, he was obedient. He was diligent. But he allowed fear to, to um, have him making decisions. And it said he did this, on, he did this regularly. Um, so if you fast forward, and then in uh, the third uh, chapter of Job, um, after he didn't, you know, he lost all his, uh, his kids, all his kids were killed, all his livestock was burnt up, you know, all of his um, wheat and everything was destroyed, and, you know, his wife wanted him to curse God, told him to curse God and die. All this stuff happened, 
But then in chapter three, he 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 says it. He says his greatest fear has came true. The one thing that he feared, it came true. And so, again, as you continue to walk through the book of, of Job for the second time, not gonna uh, gonna go through it. But I'll let you know you guys go back and look at the book of Job. But as the book goes on, his friends come like friends do and they assumed because all of these bad things happened to him that he had to have been actively sinning he had to have done something to to anger god and they went on and on he went back and forth and then at the end of job job was talking to god and he was you know going off and um you know, telling God this, telling God that, and then once God got his attention, you know, kind of, kind of shut him up. Um, you know, he realized that he didn't know everything. He realized that, you know, if he focused on God, it was nothing for him to fear. Um, and so, the thing that God told him to do was to go pray for his friends, the friends that were vexing him, the friends that was making the situation worse. He told him to go pray for his friends. And once he took the focus off himself and went to go pray for his friends, that's when everything was, was restored to him. Not only was it restored to him, he got double what he lost. But it was once he took his eyes off himself and you know humbled himself enough and went to go pray for his friends that his whole situation changed all right let's um let's turn to numbers the 20th chapter and again god um has just highlighted some of his uh servants in the bible uh to to show us how they related related to people and the results of how they related to people so here in numbers um we're going to read about moses now again for the sake of time um if you read through exodus all the way through um deuteronomy you'll you'll read about the children of israel and um, how Moses led him out of, of Egypt and into um, eventually into the cusp of the, the promised land. Moses, uh, again, just like Job was, was faithful, you know, he feared God, um, and God used him to do a, a lot of things. Um, but one of the things that Job was not good at, not Job, excuse me, Moses was not good at was Job, I mean, Moses was not very good with people. His social skills wasn't the best, um, you know, um, I mean, to say the least, uh, you know, Moses, he grew up in, in the house, he grew up with Pharaoh, um, and as time went on, God revealed, he, he realized who he was. He realized that the Jewish people were being oppressed. 
and he helped to to uh, eventually lead them out. But before that, you know, he got so angry he ended up killing somebody. He ended up killing somebody, and um, you know, eventually fled. And uh, Mo- Moses would be considered a an introvert, and so he went back to do what you know was 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 comfortable or easy for him. He went and tend sheep. And he did that for years until God called him out. Then God called him out, um, revealed himself to him, and then he went and he got the people out of uh, Egypt. And so he, you know, he we know the story. He uh, God allowed him with the rod to uh, split the sea, and they walked through, and then they got in the wilderness. Um, and a lot of things happened while they were in wilderness. You know, the people uh, continued to question him. They continued to question his honor. And he never, he never tripped on God. Um, but here in Numbers, the 20th chapter, um, I think we'll see here, this is kind of when Moses snapped. Um, so starting with uh, verse 7. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod, from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly in the congregation and their animals drank. All right, I'm going to stop there for a second. So the first time I read this, um, and as we get to the next verse, I didn't understand um, why God ended up being so angry with Moses, like he he did what he told him to do. Um, Again, if you know the story of Moses, and when they first got into um, the the wilderness, you know, the people were crying. They were saying that they were hungry and they were thirsty. And so, um, you know, God brought down manna from heaven and he had him uh, strike the rock and water came out of it. You know, so, you know, he'd already done this before. But as I went back and reread it, God did not tell him to strike the rock. He didn't tell him to strike the rock at all. If you go back to uh, verse 8, he says, Take the rod, and you and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So again, you know, Moses had been sacrificing a lot for for the children of Israel. Um, and again, if you go back through it, you know, Moses 
um, didn't always respond to them the right way. He always responded to God the right way. But the people, you know, when he went up to on a mountain and got the, the, the Ten Commandments, came back down, they was tripping, you know. Um, and, you know, he, he shattered the, the, the Ten Commandments, and he was, he was all upset. Um, and I always thought that him doing that, him being disobedient in that way, was what kept him from seeing the Promised Land. But it wasn't that. It was this. It was this that kept him from uh, reaching the promised land. Right before this uh, passage of scripture, um, he had already been challenged by another group of of the of the Jews, and they had, you know, God opened up hell and cast them all in. And you would think, after even after all of this stuff, that the people would stop doubting or stop questioning uh, God or stop, you know, questioning uh, Moses' leadership. But even after all of that, they still was murmuring, complaining about food and water, something that they had been doing the whole time they was in wilderness. Now, you know, I, I've never, to this point in my life, had to lead a bunch of people, um, you know, through a lot of difficult situations. But you know, I can see Moses' frustration. I can see him being frustrated with with the people and their same reactions over and over again. So here, Moses didn't do what God told him to do. God actually told him to speak to the rock. Moses didn't speak to the rock. He actually spoke to the people. And out of uh, default out of you know this is what I, I've, I've done before he tapped the rock now he tapped the rock and water did come from, from it and you know the people did get what God said they were going to get but he was not obedient to what God told him to do and so reading further down and verse 12 then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron because you did not believe me to hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. That this was something that Moses greatly desired to do. And actually later on, you'll see he, he pleads with God. He begs God, basically, to let him um, go into the promised land. But he never, never was able to do so. The closest he got is that God allowed him to see it from a hill. Um, you know, so it's important for us to make sure that we keep our eyes focused on God, you know, and, and what he wants us to do. Moses was... Um, was an instrument that God wanted to use for him to be obedient to, to, to get them where they were supposed to go. It's not our job to, to get a person's heart to change. It's not our job. Our job is to be obedient to what God tells us. You know, one of the things that I've noticed um, 
a principle, a farmer never gets impatient when he's sowing the seed. When he's laying the seed down, he, he lays it down in a, a, a specific way, but he never gets he never gets anxious or he understands that it takes time. It takes time for that seed to produce what he laid it down for. One of the things that God showed me was that we are not patient when it comes to people. We're not patient when it comes to us sowing seed into people. You know, God tells us to go talk to a, a person or you know, to speak a word to the person, we're expecting change immediately. You know, we're, we're expecting this person to, to show some remorse or to do something differently. Um, and over time, we can allow that to weigh on us. Um, you know, and we get almost like a, it creates like a, a God complex. You know, we start to think we're better than people because we're, you know, I'm being obedient and, and, and you know, I'm going to church all the time and I pay my tithes. And, but God is always patient with us. He is patient with us. And we don't know what level or what place in their walk that person is. You know, all we need to do is just be obedient to what God tells us to do and allow his work to be done. Allow, you know it to bring it forth his fruit we might not ever see it we might not ever see it you know um but we just need to be obedient um i was training a guy about this time last year and i was for whatever reason i was trying to avoid the talking about god or talking about the word you, you know but what's in you comes out of you so, you know, we started talking and, um, you know, he started talking to me. I, you know, it's, it must be one of those things that, that God sends these people to me because it always seems like there's a person who questioned God or they question the validity of Christianity. Um, you know, the, the five percenters and, um, you know, different things. Uh, and so I started breaking things down. Um, and so I noticed that he was listening. And so I got to, we were talking about, you know, him and his, and his, and his girl. And, um, I, you know, I mentioned it to him. I was like, so are you planning on, you know, getting married or anything like that? And so we was talking through that, and I, and I shared some things about my growth. And I, and I shared, uh, well, I was started to share a scripture, um, and in this specific scripture, I can't remember exactly where it is, but um, the scripture talks about, um, you know, all sin is without the body, but the bleed is sin of is it the sin of lust or or no fornic is it fornication? Um, is is a sin against the body, um, and so I was explaining to him that once I read this scripture, I couldn't deny what it said it was very clear you know it was very clear and it smacked me in the face um and it was like from that you know day forward I couldn't deny what it was and I was and I asked him I said do you want me to tell you what the scripture is he said no 
He said, no, 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 don't tell me. Because he understood that once he, um, you know, read or heard the scripture, now he was accountable for what he knew. Um, and so, you know, that, oh, that, that stuck out to me. So, you know, I continued to, to pour into, into the young man. And, I, you know, I didn't push the, the subject. I didn't just blurt it out, even though he told me no. Um, but who knows that, you know, God could have pricked his heart two weeks later. And he actually went and read it himself. You know, we, we can't be so quick to put our hands on it and try to control the situation. God just wants us to yield. He just wants us to yield. Um, so I wanted to. Let's talk about uh, Paul and Peter. Can you turn with me to Galatians? Uh, Galatians 2, verse 11. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Verse 12, for before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, before them all, if you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? This uh, this passage is 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 uh, I think is very important, uh, very important for a couple different reasons. Uh, and that time, Paul. Paul would have been considered a, a rebel, and you know, in my in my viewpoint, Paul once he got converted, he didn't care what anybody thought. He didn't care, um, and we see here that he ended up, you know, writing most of the New Testament. But he wasn't he wasn't one of one of uh, Jesus's disciples. He wasn't a disciple, um, but the revelation that he got from the Holy Spirit. Um, was incredible. And so here you have Peter who walked, walked with Jesus. You know, not only did he walk with Jesus over an axe, God gave him a vision. He gave him a vision of, you know, the unclean food, um, and God told him to partake of it. And he said, no, Lord, I won't touch anything that's, that's unclean. And then he revealed to him about you know the gentiles and how if i call them clean who's going to call them unclean so peter already had this revelation just like we've had revelations you know but what happens when you know we get into certain social settings you know we get around family or we get around old friends um 
Is it that we don't want to stick out? Is it that, you know, we don't want to to offend anybody? You know, uh, but but here Paul says we have to be consistent. We have to be consistent because everybody is watching. Not only are people watching, people are following. You know, it says here that other Jews did what he did. And he even carried Barnabas away. You know, it's that the crowd mindset, you know. Um, and when you're called out to be a leader, you have to be, you know, you have to be aware of that. You know, Pastor was talking about that um, uh, last week. Because, again, it's not about us. And, and that's what God showed me. He showed me that you are a people person because you know it's not about you. Because you know it's not about you. It's not about being charismatic. It's not about being, you know, the life of the party. It's about what Jesus said um, in Matthew 16, 24, Luke 9, 23, Mark 8, 34. And it all basically says the same thing. It says that anybody that wants to, to be a disciple or wants to come after me has to first take up his cross and then follow. But what is the cross? So is, is the cross our sins? Um, no, I don't, I don't believe that's what the cross represents because we're supposed to cast our cares, right? We're supposed to, to cast those things on Christ. So then, then what is the cross? Well, Jesus, and actually Jesus said this, and then he carried his own cross. And then we know that, that Jesus was without sin. So what does the cross represent? You know, the cross was other people. The cross was um, the burdens or, you know, the cares of other people. Our, our cares, our burdens, our sins. And even when Jesus was hanging from the cross, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And so when he tells us to take up our cross, as he took up his cross, it's for us to, to focus on others, to carry others, to help bring others in, because it's, it's, it's not about us. One of my favorite scriptures as I close is Matthew 6.33. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it. And it's, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So we're not supposed to seek things for ourselves. We're not supposed to food or shelter or clothing or money. Um, but if we seek ye first the kingdom of God, you know, the whole time Jesus was on earth, he was talking about the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And he, he did many works. He, he touched and healed many people, all different types of people. He wasn't afraid to talk or engage anybody. So when he says the kingdom of God is at hand, 
the kingdom of God is to focus and to care for other people. Um, I don't know if everybody knows who Jesse Duplantis is. Jesse Duplantis is a um, preacher, evangelist, um, and he had an, an encounter where he had an outer body experience, you may call it. And he said he went to heaven and he described a bunch of different things. Um, but one of the things that he described was he saw many mansions, saw huge houses and everything. And he asked, you know, but nobody was in them. And he asked, uh, where, where is everybody at? And he said he felt foolish once he asked it. But the answer that he received was, oh, they're out serving. You know, they, everybody had mansions, but they were out serving other people. They wasn't focused on what they had. They were actually serving. So, you know, a lot of people may be disappointed, you know, if, if they don't like to serve on earth, um, <laughs> they're going to be upset once they get to heaven um, if they don't have a servant's heart. Um, all right, but that's all I uh, I have. Uh, is there any questions, comments?